The Dental Amigos are excited to announce the most fun, the most friendly, and the most nacho-filled CE course in the history of dentistry. Join Paul and Rob on Friday, September 21st, and Saturday, September 22nd in Philadelphia with Dr. Pasquale Venuti all the way from Italy. Pasquale will be sharing innovative ways to save teeth that usually need to be extracted, along with mind-blowing techniques to improve your Class II restorations. Our signature Friday night social event will bring you face-to-face with the Amigos, as well as dentists from all over the country. Make new friends, learn, and have fun. Isn't that what dental CE should be about? We are doing CE right. The Amigo way, the Nacho way. Register now at thedentalamigos.com. Doing CE the right way, the Nacho way, the Amigo way. Register at thedentalamigos.com, and we'll see you in September. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Hey, Rob. Great to be here. Yeah, welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Paul, it's, it's good to see you, man. It's been a while. I know, yeah. Summer, a lot of different things going on. It's an it's a interesting time as a dentist. You know, half your staff wants off for the whole week, so it's not easy. It's good. <laughs> Fun, though. Good stuff. Uh, today, uh, we're joined by a special guest, uh, Reese Harper. Uh, Reese Harper is the founder and CEO of DentistAdvisors.com, which is a registered investment advisory firm that focuses exclusively on representing dentists and dental specialists. Uh, His proprietary planning methodology called Elements, which is used by dentists across the country to track their progress towards financial independence. Uh, Reese is also the host of the Dentist Money Show podcast, so a fellow podcaster, Paul. Yeah. Uh, and he's a regular contributor to major dental publications and popular speaker at dental conventions, continuing ed seminars and dental districts all over the U.S. Uh, and so what, you know, three observations that I've kind of made in listening to, to Reese and reading some of his stuff and I like, and, you know, he's committed to serving dentists, which is great. And that's important for us and our listeners. Uh, and I like the fact that he emphasizes the importance of being purposeful, which people that listen to our show have heard that yeah. more than once, right? And uh, I also like the fact that he really recognizes the importance of not rolling out cookie-cutter generic counseling, which is something in our world as, as lawyers, uh, you know, templates and just stamping out the same old, same old is just not acceptable. So I respect and appreciate that about Reese. And now, without further ado, Here's Reese Harper, and welcome, Amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Rob. It's uh, really great to be here, and Paul, it's great to, to be here with you. Both of you guys have been uh, uh, important influences in um, my content and the dental community for a long time. I, I really think you guys are – I love your the comment you just made there, Rob, about the power of, of advice, and I think that's probably something I'd – I've got, I'm trying to write a book right now that I'll probably finish over the next 20 years. <laughs> and um, and it, one of the chapters is just the, the life-altering impact of advice, for good or bad, you know? <laughs> and 
I really feel like good advice is, is uh, it, there's a kind of a sacred responsibility that rests in the hands of an advice giver, especially when someone else trusts you to guide them down a path that's affecting their family, their kids, um, their health, their financial future. Like it's, I take it really seriously and, and I don't think that um, any one person should ever get the same piece of advice. Yeah, well, that's it's a lot of responsibility. It's yeah. interesting to hear you say I, that. I mean, I, I feel the same responsibility in advising my clients that the stakes are high, and you know, people are coming to you as a trusted advisor, and uh, you know what you're, how you guide them really has the potential to have a very significant impact in, in their life. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I, it's a huge responsibility. I guess for me, that's like the biggest motivator of why I picked um, this industry. Is I feel like the combination of uh, making good financial decisions and the advice that comes with that. I feel like it's, it's a really critical um, trajectory kind of a springing point. Like every piece of advice really sets people on a path that um, either requires repair uh, that's long and costly and time consuming and cost people health and wellness and wealth and family and, or it's, or it's just accelerating that, and, and it saves them time, it saves them effort, it saves them stress, anxiety, improves their health, improves their wellness, saves their family. I mean, it's a, each piece of advice is important and I, we try to take it seriously and I'm just glad that you recognize that and in your own practice and notice that about us. Yeah, so let me ask you this then. What, you know, how do you go about getting good advice? You know, how, you know, whether, and I think this goes beyond just dentists, you know, this is, you know, how does, you know, Reese Harper, financial planner, Rob Montgomery, yeah. lawyer, Paul Goodman, dentist, consultant, and, and like 15 doctor, other doctor things. Doctor of nachos, right? you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a serious job. Uh, yeah, but like, like you know, this, so this is more holistic yeah. generally. Like, you know, when when do you need a consultant and, and how do you go about, you know, hiring somebody? And how do you know the right person? How do you go about getting good advice that can really empower your life and your career like you were just talking about? Well, let's answer this in two parts, I think. Um, one, let's answer it generally about general advice, and then two, I want to answer it about financial advice. Um, first, uh, general advice, I would say, you know, I, I'm a big believer in um, the on occupation-specific uh, career advice uh, when it comes to business. I don't believe in generic business consulting. I believe in occupation-specific business consulting, occupation-specific legal occupation-specific financial, occupation-specific accounting. I don't believe that, um, although it, although good advisors can exist that, that serve multiple occupations, I don't believe that they will, uh, that in today's world, with the abundance of the internet, the abundance of information, there's plenty of generic advice available. What you really need is, is, is advice that's specific to your career. And as a dentist specifically, um, there's a big difference uh, between the types of advice that you would give a dentist, the types of advice you'd give any other service provider, any other business owner. Uh, it's different than a doctor. Um, it's different than, it's much different than even service-based companies. It's, it's just dentists have their own set of environmental issues. They have their own education track. They have a, a generally, um, there, there are sets of personality profiles that exist within dentistry that are very different than, than exist on Wall Street. And, and I, I just think that knowing 
uh, knowing dentists and having spent and spending thousands of hours with them or any occupation that you're servicing, um, it really prepares you to be a good advice purveyor. And and advice, as you know, um, Rob, uh, some of the best advice you're ever going to give someone falls outside of the scope of what you're charging for. Right. Some of the best advice that you're going to give a dentist may not be related to the tr the contract, um, the language in the document. It might be a completely unrelated issue about something else that's related to his occupation. And he didn't pay you for that, but he got value-added advice that was that far exceeded the price that he paid you for the, 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 the legal work and legal services you provided. And the only way you're able to deliver that to someone is because you've spent more than, you know, I, I would estimate uh, somewhere in the 20,000 to 40,000 plus hour range, right? More so than that. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Of inter right. interacting with dentists, yeah. you know, and and that's just it. Just it really shapes the the if you if you care about advice and respect the the responsibility of what that is. I think it needs to be occupation specific. And second thing, then we'll I, I know. Stop for a second. I might I might have to put that yeah. on like that quote on our website. Now, yeah, right. You know, because it is so important, and we talk about that. And I mean the 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 actual legal work that that we do in our firm. It's not. It's not that it's not complicated. Some things are more complicated than others, but that's not the secret sauce that we deliver is not just the, the mere legal language. It's, it's knowing what to anticipate that's so, as you say, occupational you know, specific and, and sort of after seeing literally thousands of, of deals come through and what works and what doesn't work. That's that's where that's where the advice comes from is just being focused in that yeah. space and and that and then that's what you do and I think you're going to lead into this now and and, and that's what you do for for the financial services uh, world. Yeah, well, and I think you know, just to the last comment on this general advice would just be you know, Malcolm Gladwell has a book where he just says you don't really master a skill unless you spent more than ten thousand hours really repeating that skill and I, I just don't think you can be a good advisor to someone else. Um, until you've spent a very, I mean, 10,000 hours is five years. I mean, I've trained financial planners in my firm for that long. Um, at the at the 20,000 hour mark, um, which is closer to, you know, 10 years, I'm really, really, really proud of, of a financial advisor's competency level. And, but, but not really at the five-year mark, if that makes sense. Like the five-year yeah. mark, I'm, I'm happy for where they're at. <laughs> I'm grateful they've been with me that long, right? But it it is it it, it I I really think that 10,000 hours is like a the starting point sort of becoming at a base level very competent within your field and I think you know it just takes a long time. So I don't want to like discourage anyone but if you've been a dentist and you've looked at how competent you are at clinically at year 5 versus year 10, it's a big difference. It's a very big difference and and year 1, <laughs> right? Dentists get to go through dental school, and if you do it uh, a, like a GPR, then, you know, uh, like Paul's done, you, know, you can build up some of that skill early on. Um, but it's different than being in practice. And so, anyway. When I, I teach, wanted... I teach a lot of, you know, Rob and I in this podcast, the Dental Amigos, what it, what it you know, stands for is, you know, about the business of dentistry, what they didn't teach you in dental school but should have. And, and I'm really passionate now with, like, whether it's the Dental Nachos group or the seminars that we give is that every clinical decision you make is a business decision. Every business decision you make is a clinical decision. And 
dentists want to separate these two, but it's just it's just impossible. It's like you know, usually you can't you can't have good nachos without cheese. Uh, sorry for any lactose yeah. intolerance. You, you can have the fake cheese if you're lactose intolerant. But uh, the I'm trying to explain to dentists it's about we, they teach us a lot about clinical decision making for patients, but they don't teach us about dentist decision making for ourselves. And it's really a, become a a real challenge slash problem for you know new dentists graduating because sometimes they don't even have the opportunity to be around a medium age or older dentist. And I, in my CE courses, we have things, I was, as you guys were talking about all this great content, I, I, we always have three rules that, you know, is to have fun, be willing to think in a different way and uh, commit to one positive change. And I think they have the hardest time with being willing to think in a different way because uh, it threatens the way they're thinking now. But I always try to explain to dentists, like you could be good. I mean, you're using the line from a book, maybe, with this advice or change, whether it's placing implants, whether it's acquiring an additional practice, you could be great. Uh, but dentists, just since you, neither of you two have had the pleasure of going through dental school, they really bring your, your whole being down, your morale down, where it's not just, oh, this is wrong and you didn't do a good crown prep. It's almost like you're wrong as a person. And I actually just totally believe that this changes a dentist's just brain and how they're thinking going through that process. I, I agree. I, I think that's, um, you know, if we can go to the second topic that Paul, we were, I, I was kind of alluding to, which is like, what makes good financial advice or what, what's real, how do you know you're getting good financial advice, but what's, what's entailed in good advice? And, and for, for specifically as it relates to investing and financial planning, building your net worth, um, you know, we talk about occupational specific, which I think is critical. It's mission critical. I mean, dentists are very different. They have a super complex financial picture relative to most um, professionals. They're split between clinical and entrepreneurial. Um, th there's a lot of entrepreneurial opportunity within dentistry that makes them kind of get uh, pulled into that business side of their life. And, and the clinical side progressing as quick as ever now as well. And you have to keep up and really become a, stay a very competent uh, service provider. And those aren't the same jobs. And it's difficult sometimes to navigate that. Um, I could go on like the, the, the they're, I feel like they're in a financial perfect storm that's really challenging from a tax and debt perspective. They've got income that's really high, and so that high income comes with its own challenges. It's very consistent, which gets them used to a certain lifestyle expense and, and also uh, a little bit more overconfident than maybe, um, like if you take someone like me or someone like Rob, um, who we own a service business, um, maybe our cash flows aren't quite as consistent as dentists. Maybe we have a lot of volume in the first quarter, but the second quarter is a little slow or their uh, contract that we're working on. Um, sometimes as business owners with a little bit more variable income, you, you're a little more cautious in your planning. You're little, you, your lifestyle expenses are a little bit more cautious because you're not sure when you're going to have that next big pop. Um, it, it, most people don't have as, I mean, dentists have the highest income in the country, which is a major issue, but it's also extremely consistent. Like I said, it's monthly, basically the same. I mean, and it, and it, it that, that comes with its own set of challenges. Uh, I, I think it, it allows them to procrastinate a little bit more, allows them to be a little bit more overconfident than maybe the average person. Um, I also think that, you know, that their lack of financial experience um, makes decision-making very difficult. I mean, dentists are brilliant people, but their ability to make decisions is slow. That, uh, financial topics because they don't have enough knowledge and they want to know the answers before they can make the decision. 
and, and sometimes that's very dentist, Risa. I have a comment that's very dense. So they want to know the answer to make the decision. What do you find is a good example of uh, areas where dentists overspend, whether it's personally or professionally, that you have to try to manage, help, fix uh, with your clients? Well, for the most part, I think that they, they definitely have a larger housing expense than the average person, I, I believe. You know, and, and I, I think that's not just anecdotal, but measurable. Because they have that high consistent income, they're very confident in the real estate acquisition that they can do both in the practice and personally because they can just qualify for much more debt. And, and, and typically they end up with a larger percentage of their net worth in property than someone who had a less consistent uh, income that was more of a quarterly bonus type of income. Um, and and I, I think that's probably the main area that um, we end up coaching on is, you know, we, your, your real estate uh, decision personally is the largest one you're going to make. Ultimately, that is going to affect your lifestyle trajectory in a major way because the money that you sink into that house is, in most cases, like gone forever, whether it's $2 million or $3 million or 500000 you're, in most cases, most people, once they pay that off, they don't want to leverage it again, and they're left that new level of whatever that house costs. And um, dentists, you know, on average, only earn, you know, they earn a lot of money throughout their career. But, I mean, it, it, some people earn $6 million, some people earn seven, some people earn eight, some people earn $9 million, some ten. Um, some specialists might be uh, much higher than that, um, especially if you have a lot of locations. The average dentist is going to have, you know, somewhere just south of $10 million of lifetime earnings. And if, you know, 20 or 30% of that is basically just tied up in a primary residence, that's very different than if 10% is. Or it's, it's a good point. And I think, you know, one of the things Rob and I try to do, and I'd say in my lectures are like nacho tips, is that, you know, I, I as a transitions broker, you know, you want to earn that eight, seven, eight, nine, ten million million, $10 You need the right practice to do it. And sometimes it's not doesn't exist where you want to live exactly. So, I, you know, I encourage uh, young dentists not to purchase a house before their practice because it makes them unwilling to move for a better practice. Yeah, so, it's so. smart advice. And I, I just think that that money, I can kind of kiss it goodbye unless you're, you shouldn't. I mean, it really is just net worth. It's just money in a house instead of money in a bank account. But, but most people have an emotional attachment to a piece of, we all do, like I do, like I've got a piece of property that I've raised my kids in. It's in the mountains where I want to live. It's by the ski resorts that I ski at. Uh, it's by my mountain bike trails that I like to, to go at. It's by the restaurants that I love, where I get my medium rare steak, yeah. pay down on a Saturday. Like I, it's my place, like I want it. And, and I've had to be very careful to limit the amount of my net worth that I can tie up in that property through remodeling, through expansion through changes through landscaping through amenities because i kind of know that the emotion that i've invested into that property it's important to me and it's probably not like money that i'll be able to get out later <laughs> and so i'm you, you have to be conscious of that and and i just meet a lot of dentists who are, are disproportionately invested in in their properties usually two or or, or you know one large one or two uh good size ones and, and sometimes that makes up too high of a percentage of their net worth and then consequently we don't have enough productive investment assets to grow um, throughout their lifetime. And so yeah, that's, that's anyway, a, that's, that was a good uh, uh, aside man about real estate. Yeah. I, I kind of, I did want to hit this idea that we were talking about what is financial planning for a dentist just real quick if we could. Sure, sure. 
So, like, I, I think, like, let's take exams and x-rays. Um, uh, let's talk about the financial planning in terms of exams, x-rays, and a treatment calendar, like some kind of treatment calendar. If you're a dentist, I mean, these exams are important um, because it gives you a chance to interact with your patient, sort of understand um, where they're coming from uh, and hear their interpretation of their needs, right? Uh, But the x-rays are really important because it gives you an objective set of criteria to interpret what the patient is telling you, you know, and you don't often get the same uh, feedback from x-rays as you do from the exam. Right? I mean, they're just, they're, they're different. Um, let's say, we'll just say, uh, not, when I say exam, we'll just talk, let's talk about it in terms of just interacting with the patient, not getting in their mouth. All right. So talking to the patient's different than looking at their x-rays. Uh, and, and, and it's also different than a treatment plan. And I think all three of those things combined are really essential to having like good comprehensive oral health. And in, in financial planning, there's a really similar a process that we've come up with that we think people should follow, but it doesn't get followed hardly ever. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll just describe what I think the process should look like, and then I'll, I want to talk about what it's really like for most dentists. <laughs> so the process should be that you're having some kind of exam with a really smart seasoned advice purveyor, like we talked about, just like a dentist, a financial planner who's a specialist who's a fee-only fiduciary, who knows what they're doing. They're having these interactions with them. But then they take x-rays. They've got to collect objective data about you and compare it to other people that they have seen recently in your exact same situation. Just like you're looking at someone's mouth and you look at someone else's mouth and it gives you a a sense if you see, you know, however many exams you're doing in a day, you're going to be able to have some set of objectivity that lets you go, this is objectively different than this. Financial planners uh, don't have those kind of tools in most cases. Um, Those tools are, and a a set of x-rays for a financial planner is a a really accurate personal financial statement. So uh, something that shows, uh, call it a hybrid, we call it a hybrid financial statement. So for Paul, it would show, and it would do the same thing for Rob and as a lawyer, it would show personal and practice assets and personal and practice debt, all in one statement, so that your total net worth, all of your assets and all of your liabilities, including your practice value, um, your real estate, in the, your, your condo that you operate out of, um, the, the second location, the practice checking account, the personal checking account, your IRAs, your 401k, it all shows up in one statement. And then all the debts are right below it. And we see your total network. As a dentist, and, just quickly, because you, you made me, it sounds like out of homework, how many clients come to you with all that um, even able to? So, z- so zero people have that, right? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, financial planning as an industry is like not, I mean, it started in the late 70s. Right. It's not a it's selling financial products started like in the 20s. I mean, whole life insurance was the first product in America like to be sold. And that's why it's still being sold today. But it's, you know, it's have like changed a lot. And then financial planning has not been a standardized industry. And so when people come to me, they're lost most of the time with where their stuff's at. I mean, it's, it's a hard, like I said earlier, it's really hard to keep track of all this stuff. I want to jump, I, mean, I want Rob to jump in with what he has, but real quick, Reese, just so our listeners understand. So every, people come to the dentist when they have a toothache 
or they were raised to go to the dentist, you know, hopefully. Uh, so, so that was in their culture. How, what, are the, what is the thing that brings most of these dentists to you? Is it a, a life event? Is it, oh, I just figured out I should talk to a financial planner? Is it? It's some kind of pain, some kind of pain, right? Some kind of like pain in their life, which is not the reason to go to the dentist, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> it's not the reason to go to the financial plan. You should be going because it's, you're trying to put this proactive treatment calendar in place. Avoid right? the pain, right? Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Yeah, that, I always say that pain. it's a good line for a dentist. If you do not like seeing me, Mrs. Smith, get your teeth cleaned every six months because there's less totally. of a chance you see me. So uh, they it's go. The same do, thing in my world, yeah. too, though. You know, people come and like, well, I can't believe this this happened to me. Like, well, who represented you? Well, the, the broker, you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of helped yeah. me with this agreement. Yeah. Like, well, I, I can't believe that this went south on you. The yeah. fear of spending a little bit of money costs people so much money, it's mind-boggling to me. Maybe just because I know I have only about four things I'm really good at, and eating nachos is one of them. I don't know if that counts. And I'm just so willing to seek <laughs> advice from professionals and just say, how much does this cost? It could be a personal trainer for fitness. It could be a, someone for a... Uh, uh, a contract, like you know, I, I have associates in my office, and you know, Rob's team helps us with each contract each time. You know, I don't say, even say, "Hey, I'll just use the old one," because I figure, you know, I'll spend this little bit of money to protect myself and learn. But for some reason, I find dentists just skip that part. But then it gets to the uh, lot of bit of money at risk. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that people should come with this. They shouldn't. They, no, no dental patient knows how to take an x-ray. And when come, people come to us, they don't have like a clear picture of their financial situation. But if I can get a personal financial statement that's really accurate, we connect it to this dashboard and make sure that we can make it to where it's, it's real time and it stays updated all the time. So the practice value gets updated, the real estate gets updated, the debt's amortized. And you want to know like, am I worth negative 500? Am I worth 2 million? Am I worth a million? And am, am I worth 400,000? And you want to see how that progresses, because the the, the, the X-rays that you're going to be taking every uh, we take them every four months, um, and so or every three months, every quarter, so four times a year. And we just want to take that set of X-rays and go. You were worth 300. Now you're worth 500. Now you're worth 700. Now you're worth 900. Or hey, you're worth 700. And it's never changed for two years. Or you're worth 1.1 and it's never changed. You have to have that objective set of X-rays that you're taking in order to know if, if the treatment that you're prescribing is is making sense and in our case the way we do treatment and we think treatment should be done in financial planning is it should be we break it up into 12 kind of subject categories and we rotate those um, uh, by month every year so in January we always do the same thing in February we always do the same thing in March we always do the same thing so in January, we're looking at people's savings rates from the prior year. February, we're looking at their liquidity. March, we're looking at their insurance policies. April, taxes. May, retirement plans. Uh, June, we're looking at investment returns. Uh, and, and the list goes on. Real estate in July, debt in August, personal spending in September. Um, we're looking at your retirement projection in October. We're looking at practice profitability in November. And then December, we're doing a reevaluation of taxes. Uh, and so we... we um, we, that's our treatment calendar, and we're doing this stuff like as if you were sitting in our dental chair on you. I mean, we're we're doing this, but you don't have to be there. Like we have a we're doing treatment planning on your stuff without you having to show up 
and take an x-ray. And that's the beauty of where... I'll break in with just one I of my quips. I, I, use, I use this about a thousand times a year to my patients. If you could drop your mouth off like your car, this would be better for both of us. And uh, yeah. you kind of can yeah, do that, Reese. So problem. nice. But the, <laughs> dentists, dentists are retiring on it. They have a, a very, very high income. But on average, they're retiring like seven years later than the average American. And that's ADA data, you know? And my, my argument for why that's happening, part of it is some of them love their job and they just want to do it forever. But most people want work to be optional at point, at least at the, the, the rate the average person does. And, and in my research, most dentists, they're not working later because they want to. They're working later because it, they haven't accumulated enough wealth to really support their lifestyles. And the reason that's happening is what you just said. Like the financial planning is only happening when people show up to a physical appointment with their planner and talk. And that's just not going to cut it in today's world. I mean, no, there's so, if you've got to do debt, taxes, personal spending, um, then you have to do savings and then retirement plan contributions, uh, life insurance, disability insurance, property and casualty, like legal estate planning, like your financial planner, like you can't meet with him enough. Like there's just not enough time in a year and, and in our practice, we spend about 45 hours of our time for every one hour of dentist interaction. That's, yeah, that's good advice so to make more. It, it's just like a, it's a it's just, that's the way it should be done. But how it is done today is there's financial planners that don't take x-rays. They have no treatment calendar. They, they don't even know your industry or occupation to begin with, so they can't really do an exam. And then they just get paid to sell you stuff. I mean, they're selling you life insurance, and that's their fee structure. I mean, it's crazy that that's even happening out there. It'd be like a dentist working for a DSO where the patient never paid any money. The dentist just got paid from the suppliers, and they got paid like a percentage on this amalgam pays you 50% of this and 30% of that, but if you do a composite filling... You know, Henry Schein will pay you 37% for this composite material. Like, if a dentist, imagine a world, a crazy DSO where the patient just showed up, didn't really know what they were paying. Um, they just had to, like, buy toothbrushes and, you know, buy some things, and somehow the dentist got paid, but they weren't sure how. And the dentist was, like, trying to, like, prescribe treatment that paid him the most based on what the suppliers were you know, yeah, it's a, it's a real conflict of interest. I mean, geez, that's what's happening. It's crazy. Like it shouldn't be legal, but, but it's like, it, it is. And then it's 90% of dentists are working with a commission based broker that doesn't know how to plan and has no proactive treatment. Doesn't collect x-rays. Wouldn't know how to do it in the first place. There's some good planners out there, but the, the good planners are the fee only fiduciaries that, at least try to focus on an occupation and try to build some kind of treatment calendar, some kind of um, set of consistent treatment. That's, and, that, um, that's powerful stuff. And I think it kind of, to me, and what I'm hearing, and this has been our experience too, is you know, a lot of this is probably rooted in just the desire to just find the cheapest yeah. option. You know, like this guy only charges oh, yeah. me a commission when I buy these securities, but this other person wants to charge me this money to actually do something. It's like, right. you know, and, and so when you hire the person who is either cheaper or is getting paid on what is a, a flawed 
business arrangement, you know, it's just inherently yeah. conflicted, you know, guess what? Yeah. You know, the result isn't good, you know? And I think so yeah. many people, like your world and my world, Reese, are, are similar in that, unlike dentists, like, you can't say like, hey, you know, I've got this cavity where I need a crown. I'm just going to, I'm going to try to DIY the crown. Like, yeah. I mean, unless you're yeah. like stuck in the yeah. middle of the ocean and you have like some, Tom Hanks. some dental the emergency, movie. right? Yeah, you yeah. got to just start doing dentistry <laughs> on yourself, right? But otherwise, yeah. like in, in, in our world, people could say like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I speak English. I'm educated. I can read that contract and know what well, it says. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, or or I could figure Colin out like Cow how Colin to buy Cowherd security. Colin Cowherd this morning was advertising on uh, Fox Sports One for Legal Zoom and telling everyone how they just needed to like get you know they needed to be take control and go get their legal done from the right people and it's like but these are not attorneys and they don't give advice <laughs> and there's this big long disclaimer and I'm like dude it's like the most powerful media sources of the country are like convincing business owners to just circumvent like this whole advice industry that's like spent their entire life perfecting the like craft of advice. I mean, I, I just, I don't know, for me, the more sophisticated people get, uh, the more they end up outsourcing. That's been my experience. The more they learn, the more they're educated, the more they learn, the more they'll go. Geez, so I have to pay Reese like 495 bucks a month and he'll just like do all this stuff and not sell me anything. I mean, it's, but when you, when you see that on my website and you go to like, well, I went to Vanguard and it was free. I went to Reese's site and it was like $500 a month. And you're just like, there's two financial planners and one's like, cost for the other. And like, how is Reese possibly charging that much? He's crazy expensive. And and I just need like, a really oh, quick good story. Actually, I know we're getting towards it. A quick good story Rob will appreciate yeah. from one of the groups last night. They were asking, and this is just, and I'm just, just to kind of bring this full circle. Dentists really dislike it when patients ask how much their crown is, and then they go to a cheaper dentist and say, oh, it's cheaper there. The dentist in his or her mind thinks, you know, why are they picking the cheapest option? Yet they turn around and do the same thing to themselves because they were saying, how much should bookkeeping cost per month? And I, I commented, that's not even the right question because, you know, you got to know what's the bookkeeper doing. One dentist said, it should cost nothing. It only takes me three minutes a month to do my bookkeeping, which is just, I mean, that's just not the truth. And it just, it was a bunch of dentists having a contest of how they could find the cheapest bookkeeper. And uh, it's just, I don't know what happens to our industry, but I just right. wish there was a little more, I mean, what you're bringing to the table here is awesome. And Rob's helped me in terms of the value of like kind of bringing full circle, finding this type of advice. Well, it's just behavioral economics, you know, yeah. what is the cost of cheap? You know, <laughs> yeah. like it, it's just, it, yeah. and it manifests itself in so many ways in the world that the three of us deal in, you know, and we see people yeah. who are paying for the cost of cheap, you know, and, and uh, it, the, the long-term effects of that and the impact is, is sometimes unforeseeable to them yeah. at the time because yeah. they're not experienced in what can go wrong if you do it this way. I mean, we all see the, the, the yeah. bad stuff and say, hey, stop, before you go down that road, yeah. wait, wait, that we can, we can help you. you know, but some people don't care. They're just gonna run down that road. You know, and you, I'd say not, not you know, totally serious, even though I'm a pretty lighthearted person to these dentists, this decision could just ruin your entire life. It could ruin your financial future, yeah. it could ruin a relationship with your family, your spouse, and just at least check in. And this is what I always say, there's no bad result. If you take something to an advisor and say, is this thing good? And the advisor says, it's really good, I would do it. Then you're happy, right? But then if they tell you this has five red flags, you've prevented a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think like we, I think just to 
circle full circle on this topic of advice. I just feel like if you're if your professional financial it's just financial advisor business model, I can't speak to every service provider, but if your financial advisor does not take a like comprehensive set of x-rays of your situation like proactively on a regular basis, then he'll have no idea honestly how your net worth is changing and growing. Like if that's not happening, that's a red flag. And if he doesn't have a treatment calendar that he's proactively executing without you having to show up, then they're just wasting your time. I mean, it, there's a thousand things the financial planner can do if you just give them the authority to get it done. They can compare your, they can calculate your net worth and go to your property and casualty insurance agent and say, you know, we need to reduce his property and casualty from 700 to 600 on this equipment, or he needs a million two umbrella instead of a million dollar umbrella, or two million instead of a million. He can adjust your life insurance balances and reduce your costs. He can. You can uh, call loans and shop banks and figure out how your interest rates compare to other interest rates in the industry. You can look at your investment portfolio and make proactive decisions. I mean, we don't, we send personal videos to each client every time we make a recommendation so they can watch it at their own time. Uh, when we have a piece of advice to give, we just record it, show them a screen, show them the documentation and send it to them in an email or a text and they just watch it and text us back and say, that sounds great. Thanks. And I mean, our clients are saving like thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a year in their time. And on top of that, we're adding massive amount of value to their net worth. And a good attorney can do that. A good CPA can do that. A good financial planner can do that. And I just feel like the financial planning industry is just really needs to continue to step the game. It's going to die if you don't because Wealthfront, Betterment, Vanguard, all this stuff online, it's a better product than what half of the advisors are offering out there. Half the advisors are offering a marked up investment portfolio that someone could go online and get for cheaper. And that's why dentists are doing it. So they're like, well, my guy's not doing anything. I might as well get it cheaper. And, and so, but that's not the solution. Like the financial planning solution is not going to be DIYing. You just need to find a service provider that can, that's actually proactively executing a, a treatment plan. I'll stop there, but I'm like on this rant about this lately because I just really feel, I feel like the, unless I'm a little bit more um, vocal, it feels like no one listens to me. So hopefully no one takes offense at my, my uh, being a little bit uh, proactive. Join the club. Yeah, yeah. We, that's us. We, we are, we yeah. are regular, whole thing is regular preachers. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all we're doing yeah. on a regular basis. But no, that's good. <laughs> hey, uh, Reese, it's, it's been great uh, having you. Um, tell us, uh, tell our listeners, uh, how can people find you and, and, and connect with you? Um, I, well, I, I would say probably two ways to get me. That's great. I like, um, I'm a big fan of the Dental Success Network. Um, I'm the one of the admins on the wealth management chat room at the Dental Success Network. I know you guys participate there. Um, I also like your uh, Facebook group, uh, the Dental Machos um, Facebook group. Um, I like to contribute online, so you can find me uh, either one of those two venues is great. Uh, the best play way to get us is just go to our website at dentistadvisors.com and subscribe to our podcast, uh, The Dentist Money Show. Every week we have topics that if you are you know, working with a current financial advisor, what you're going to learn from what we share is just going to make that relationship better. If you're DIYing, you're just going to be a better DIYer. And if you're uh, a person that wants services, then on our website, you can just click the book free appointment button and you can pick from a slot on our calendar and um, just chat with anyone. Um, so 
Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. That's good. It's been thank, great having you, yeah, Reese. Thanks thank so much, Reese. Great talk. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.